0: specific to parents raising twins, triplets, and more. Learn more, subscribe to the show, or connect with Paul at TamaCapital.com.
1: This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Tama may retain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.
2: Are you trying to find time to do more things that matter to you? Are you trying to squeeze more enjoyment out of your life? Laura Vanderkam a time management expert, walks us through her latest book, Tranquility by Tuesday, in which she identifies nine ways to calm the chaos and make time for what matters most. A topic we address by asking, how can we ensure you have the time to work on your long-term goals? A returning guest to our podcast, Laura previously did extensive research on the transition from working in an office environment to working from home. A focal point of this transition involves setting boundaries, a foundational element in her new research and making time to do what matters most to you. Don't set yourself up for failure was a critical point that Laura emphasized. By ensuring objectives and goals are reasonable, we can limit the amount of resistance that could be waiting to deter us from success. Laura helps people determine if something is important by identifying if an event occurs three or more times in one week. She also asked, if you were on vacation, would you still want to ensure this habit endures? One of my favorite rules Laura lays out is one big adventure, one little adventure. It is a reminder that even little things in life, such as a date with your significant other or playing catch with your kids, can be an adventure that makes life more memorable. Please enjoy my conversation with Laura Vanderkam. Well, Laura Vanderkam, welcome back to the Emotional Balance Sheet podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me back. I appreciate it.
2: It's always exciting. Uh, now that the podcast has been around for just a little over two years is to start having these additional conversations or follow up conversations, because when we had you on last time, we talked about your book, The Corner Office, which was the timing was perfect because we are transitioning to work from home life. Um, and so, but now you are out with your latest book, uh, Tranquility by Tuesday, that we're going to focus on today, which I'm I'm very excited about. But when I was going back to listen to our our prior conversation, one of the questions I didn't get to ask you was, how did you decide to become a time management expert? So I think let's start there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, it turns out most people don't grow up saying I want to be a time <laughs> management expert. It's not quite like fireman or something like that. Um, but uh, I have probably always been interested in how people make themselves more productive, how people achieve their goals. I've always enjoyed reading things along those lines. Um, thinking about my own schedule, it probably became more of a priority for me around the time I became a parent for the first time. And anyone who's been through that transition knows that it really does shape how you spend your time. I mean, not just the care of your children, which obviously can be all-consuming, of course, but it's also about You know, how do I make space for that amid everything else I also need or want to do? And you're just more accountable for your time in a way many people haven't quite experienced before. Um, And, and, you know, sometimes people find the transition rough, but I decided to look around and, you know, see people who were doing it well. People who were successfully building careers they loved, raising happy families involved in their communities. And, you know, what are they doing? Because it turns out they don't have any more time. Than the rest of us,, uh, we all have the exact same twenty four hours in a day. And so, if people are managing to do amazing things with their lives in those twenty four hours, I want to learn their secrets
2: so and just to remind the audience, you have five kids, right? I do.
1: I do. Although I didn't when I started on writing about all this, it's it's been very helpful uh, as as time has gone on, and I'm like, sure you can do everything and then i'm like have another kid and i'm like okay yes you can still do everything <laughs> keep figuring it out um but uh yes uh life life becomes more complicated the more kids there are more juggling but uh, it also i think becomes a lot of fun too
2: yeah and and that's one thing you you mentioned in your book too um is most people know about my situation where i have these triplets plus one and they're all clustered together so they're about two years age apart but only one grade apart but yours are more spread out and you notice that difficulty where like you have teenagers that want to, you know, go to bed late versus younger kids that need to go to bed early and how to, how to strike that. like square that circle, I guess.
1: Yeah. We're, we're aware of a lot of the hours of a day in this house. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there are quiet hours when everyone should be down and usually there are, but there probably are fewer of them than, than I might like. Um, but yeah, we have, we have kids ranging from uh, 15 to two. Um, and, and so you're getting all sorts of experiences together. We're, uh, you know, signing a kid up for driver's training and potty training and other ones. So <laughs> we really got, got both ends of the spectrum.
2: I don't know if that's, if that would, if that's like more or a, a bigger challenge or compared to my own situation, because everybody, whenever I say triplets, everybody really like gas, like, oh my God, like, how do you do that? But I think, I think obviously there's pro there. Everything's every situation is different where your situation, there's probably things that are easier and harder, just like in my situation, there are things easier and harder. So,
1: yeah, I mean, who I I think the. In parenthood, we don't want to play the game of whose life is harder. (laughs) I think
2: everyone is just
1: just doing the best they can. Uh, And and so, you know, we have different situations, but, um, you know, we also have different kids. And so somebody could conceivably have six very easy children or one very difficult child. I mean, who knows? Like, it it really just doesn't. uh, There's no point in having that comparison.
2: So I think I, I want to actually start off with a quote from your book. And I think this is, I think this is from Plan on Fridays. And, and I'll have you outline um, the nine strategies that you lay out in your book. But you, you write, to calm the chaos, we need to think about how we'd like to spend our time. We need to think about any stretch of time before we are hurling through it. We need time to pause in the calm shallows and think about what we need to do and what we want to do. This becomes even more important as time becomes limited. And so based on that, why did you decide to write Tranquility by Tuesday? Like, how did you get to this point in your writing career?
1: Yeah, well, Tranquility by Tuesday arose out of uh, an observation I've made a couple years ago, which is, You know, I've had thousands of people track their time for me, share their schedules with me. Many of them ask for advice. And I realized that I was often giving the same advice, right? That even though people's lives are incredibly different, I could hone the suggestions I was giving people down into certain categories and and certain things within those categories. Um, And and so I decided to come up with these nine rules. You know, these are the things that I was telling people to do most often um, when they were coming to me for scheduling advice. And since I write time management, you know, self-help for extremely busy people, I really don't want to just be like, yeah, here's some ideas. See, see what you think. (laughs) Um, So I decided to try them out. I had 150 people learn the rules each week they would learn a new rule for 9 weeks I could ask them various questions about how they planned to implement the rule in their lives how it went a week later I measured them on various dimensions of time satisfaction over the course of these 9 weeks uh, and learned that the people who you know attempted to put these rules into their lives did in fact see their time satisfaction levels rise to a very significant degree um and and so that was pretty cool to see that you know this it did you know prove helpful in people's lives and and also that they were willing to share their observations of you know how it worked like what what it is like to put these rules into a regular busy life uh and so the book of tranquility by Tuesday is those people's observations
2: and that was a i think that was one of the interesting things like when you first start reading the book is that this is this is actually based on people's experience like these 150 people that you just mentioned so my question around that is how did where did the 150 people come from?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean they they had to be in my universe somehow um because obviously you know, to get into a study like this, I had to either know of them or they had to know of me. So, you know, I sent out emails to my lists. I posted on, you know, social media, on my websites. I, you know, recruited broadly, like asked people to, you know, tell their friends and everything like that. Um, You know, so demographically, I know most of the people were in the same group of people who tend to read my books, namely, you know, people who are in what I call the busy years, where they are building careers, they are raising families at the same time. So the majority of the people who did the survey um, worked full-time for pay. Um, the majority had kids under age 18 at home. Um, and and so, yeah, they, they were living these lives where a lot of their time is spoken for. They have a lot of responsibilities. Um, I s- suspect they're all fairly you know, competent put together people in that they are managing to do this project for nine weeks and and stick with it and and you know answer the questions and all that. Um so I was glad to see that, you know, people whose whose lives didn't suggest that they were wasting a lot of time in the first place still found benefits from from thinking of their time according to this framework.
2: Yeah. And I think I I think I don't know if you put this in the book, but maybe I wrote it or read it on um on one of your 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 website pages, but the fact that I think it surprised you even that here you have all these busy people, but they carved out the time to provide feedback. And I think you mentioned not just normal feedback, like but pretty in-depth feedback that you use throughout the book.
1: It was, it, you know, it was shockingly easy to write this book, <laughs> I have to say. Um Sometimes and that's saying something my-
2: cuz book writing is not an easy feat.
1: No, no, but I mean, you know, conducting the research project was challenging and and all that, you know, keeping the data compiled and you know putting everything together, but you know, sometimes with books I'm like, okay, well, I've got this point and you know I we have I want to show this and now I need to, you know, find the right person to show this and so I'm going out through my all oh, my contacts and like trying to get people to talk about it or whatever. For this, I was like, I was picking from like 100 answers, you know, responding to like how challenging it is to get in bed on time and yet what you could do to solve this problem. And so I was able to, you know, choose some some really good ways to to illustrate these points. And um, I'm very grateful for people taking the time to do that. But I, I think it's related to the fact that, you know, people want to spend their time well and not just in the sense of being productive with like the quote marks that get around productive i mean we 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 get our stuff done you know we mm-hmm. we these people stuck with this project They're they're the sort of people who make their deadlines at work they get their families where they need to go at about the time they need to be there but they want to enjoy life more and that is what i was asking people to do right that's what i was asking people to figure out how you can put things into your life that you are genuinely looking forward to Um, How you can change the experience of your leisure time to be more rejuvenating, Um, how you can leave space in your life so you're not feeling like you're constantly frantic, Uh, things like this. And I I think people enjoyed reflecting on those matters.
2: So I that that was actually a good lead into my my next question because you often stress this point of thinking strategically about uh, time. So can you can you elaborate a little bit more on what you mean by this, and then more importantly, how do you how do you do it? Like how do you strategically think about your time?
1: Well, I'm and in general my my goal is always to help people find more time for what matters and to spend less time on what isn't important to them. Whatever that happens to be. Um I think a lot of us sort of just go through time doing whatever is in front of us, right? You know, whatever is most urgent in the moment. Um you know, would we, we look forward and we plan, we're thinking about what's happening. You know, we know the landscape in terms of if you have a conference next week, you are aware of that fact, right? It's just, you know, people, people are, forgot got that element of it, but it's a little bit different to say like, well, what are my long-term goals and how can I make progress toward those? And, and you, know, what can I do in the next week or two to make progress toward those long-term goals? How can I make sure those things happen? Meaning, how can I make sure that anything that might Logistically, conspire against me making these steps is dealt with, um, and and how can I solve those problems? And so, I was teaching people to to look through their upcoming time with that mindset. So, not just asking themselves what is happening, but what is important to me, and how can I make sure that those things happen too.
2: So, is I, I imagine like mindset is a pretty cornerstone of your work throughout, you know, the books that you've written. Um, I know I've, I've read a lot of mindsets. Um, Carol Dweck, who's like, I don't know if you call her the godmother of, of, of mindsets from, from Stanford, but what, what new ideas have you learned about how to change your mindset? Kind of like piggybacking off that last point, like how, what have you learned that, that's, that you have found to be helpful for people to decide, okay, I'm actually going to make the time to, to work on this long-term goal rather than getting sucked into just what's in front of me right now?
1: Well, I think one of the best things you can do is to make sure that any of the steps you are taking toward that goal are reasonable and don't inspire a whole lot of resistance. I think where people go awry is they set these big goals. I mean, you know, in all the literature, people get excited about the the big, hairy, audacious (laughs) goals or whatever it is. And I'm not saying there's not a place for that. I mean, it can be very inspiring, I, I agree. But what you are doing to achieve those big goals in any given day needs to be doable or any given week, it needs to be doable. And by doable, I mean, it needs to fit with your life as your life is now and and so people often have this idea of the future that future them will have fewer conflicts future them will have more energy future them will you know have solved various problems that current us is just you know really wrestling with at the moment and and so you see this of like you know, people are like, well, in my New Year's resolution, I'm going to go to the gym for an hour every day after work. I'm like, well, why don't you go tonight for an hour after work? I'm like, well, I can't tonight because of this. I'm like, well, why are you going to be different on January 3rd than you are today? And if you don't want to go today, you're not going to want to go then either. Like, you're setting yourself up for failure if that is what you are aiming for. If you assume that you are going to be the exact same person in the future as you are now, then you can make rational decisions about what you could do. And you can do amazing things in the long run, but it has to be things that you are willing to do in small amounts currently. Um, one of the Tranquility by Tuesday rules is even sort of getting at this idea. It's, uh, rule number four is three times a week is a habit. Um, and a lot of times when people think they want to you know, adopt something new in their life or they want to scale something up that they have, they're like, well, I should do it every day. And, and right there, we have a problem because almost nobody does something every single day. Like people who work full time are like, well, I go to work every day. No, you don't. Most people have two days a week that they don't go to work. Right. And those are real days. Like they really count. And yet we think of this as every day when it's only five days a week. And, and, and so, you know, I think in general, things can be an important part of your life if they happen three times a week. And often three times a week is far more reasonable than attempting to do something daily. So we're not saying I'm going to exercise every single day, like in terms of a full formal workout. Maybe it's like I'm going to run for at least 20 minutes three times a week. Now, can that happen? Well, that that may have a better chance of happening. Um, it helps to think like, would I do this habit if I was on vacation? Would I do this habit if I had a very busy week at work? Would I do this habit if I was traveling for work? You know, would I do the vacation one I think is really critical. Um, I I wrote a piece a while ago saying like that's the question you should ask about any given habit to see if it's going to stick, because that means you're you're looking for ways to do it. You're not looking for ways to get out of it. I was I was on a cruise a few years ago. Um, and and the opening sort of when the the cruise director is giving his little spiel on the stage and he was, you know, there to explain like the stuff about the ship. But he was also saying, oh, well, you know, and we have great food here and everyone's diets are now kicked to the curb. And he does this huge thing with his foot kicking up in the air and everyone goes, woohoo, you know, everyone in the audience. And I was thinking of this, I'm like, that's fascinating. Like, because why, you know, I presumably people have, you know, goals and desires about healthy eating. And so why are they excited about not following those on a vacation? And, in fact, I would say, like, in some cases, you know, one of the big appeals of a cruise ship, people think, is like, oh, you know, it's all you can every All, all you can food. eat. Oh, it's great. All you can yeah. eat. You know, I, I don't have to follow any of the diet rules. It's like, well, they clearly don't really want to follow the rules because you're looking for ways to get out of it as opposed to ways to stay with it. And, and, you know, I don't care what anyone eats and you can, you know, eat whatever you want on a cruise ship. I, I don't care. Like, I'm not, you know, judging people for this. I'm just saying like, well, if you're going to adopt a habit, think, well, would, would I do this on a cruise ship? And there are habits that people do, like people brush their teeth. I'm sure that the vast majority of us brought our toothbrushes on that cruise ship and we would have found it weird if the cruise director had been sitting there saying and now that you're on the ship you don't have to brush your teeth at all like oral hygiene is kicked to the curb like you know he wouldn't have said that like cuz it doesn't inspire any resistance right so it, it, we want habits that are more like that
2: so so sometimes these this resistance can work for us or against us then is that
1: well i think you need to figure out you know if you're setting yourself daily or a couple times a week steps that inspire a lot of resistance. It's going to be very, very hard to stick with
2: something over the long term. It will it will wear you down.
1: It will wear you down and things will happen in your life that will make it very challenging for, for you to do it. But if you can come up with things that are more doable in the short term or that you don't feel resistance to doing right now, then probably you will be able to stick with those. And if you choose them wisely, you can do kind of big projects. I mean, just as an example, I do a yearly reading challenge. So each year I set some sort of big reading goal that I break down into very doable steps. And in 2022, my goal is to read through all the works of Shakespeare. And it turns out you don't have to read that much in any given day. If you're reading 365 days in the course of the year, you only have to read about three, maybe four pages in, in my illustrated anthology of, of all of Shakespeare's works. And so I can do that in about 10, 15 minutes. And so that's what I do, because it doesn't bother me to read for 10 minutes in a day. Um, now, if I was saying, you know, I'm going to read all of those, like I'm going to read a play a day, and then I'm going to read, you know, all these other books too, like that, that would be really challenging to have that as a goal. But since it's only 10 minutes a day, it's very doable. But because I keep doing it, for all 365 days in the year continuing, you know, by the end of this year, I will have in fact read through everything he's written.
2: Do you, do you have something visual along that, those lines that you like, you like check off that, yep, I read my Shakespeare for today, you know, check mark.
1: Sometimes I do, um, you know, sometimes if I think I will forget, I'll put it in my planner for the day. So, you know, I call it my rituals. I do a couple of things every day. Um, and that, that's one of them but you know at this point it it's not something i'm going to f- forget very easily cuz it's you know i do it every single day so you know it's like did i brush my teeth this morning check it off um, Right. you know no i
2: know with, with 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 some research i've i've read that that visual cue like you see that check mark like every day like you don't want to break that streak i know dan pink is a big uh proponent the a proponent of this i think that's probably when i first learned it but um like having that visual re like reinforces that. Okay, well, I didn't I didn't get my reading done today, so I I'm going to do it like right now or later tonight or something like that. Because the 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 feeling of of missing, you know, far outweighs the feeling of actually getting it done to a certain degree.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, I I mean, again, I think you need to find what works for you, and and I know a lot of people do enjoy crossing things off or checking things or otherwise and if if you find that is true for you then absolutely you know why don't you give yourself a gold star for every day you do it like make a chart put a gold star there like whatever whatever you think is going to be motivational um but ideally you're also choosing something that you enjoy doing on its own right, right.
2: so there's less that that's where like having less resistance works for mm-hmm. you
1: yeah yeah
2: that that's one of the i think interesting points i think about all your work that i've read is that as much as you you may people may want this like one size fits all um advice or plan it, it it really doesn't it's it's no different than how we treat or raise each of our kids even like i get the question all the time triplets well they must all be the same <laughs> no they're individual people um but it but i think with with your work you you make that a point but you you constantly throw out additional options for people but with that underlying foundation like if this if this doesn't work for you try this if this doesn't work try that
1: yeah because people are different and and in general i mean i'm aiming to say could rather than should like i i you know fully admit that my life may be totally different from somebody else's and um so if the fact that something works for me is it's great um it may or may not have relevance for you but maybe there are other things that you might be you know able to try and 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 if you sort of brainstorm ideas i think that can also be helpful for sticking with stuff just because maybe one of them is a more appealing solution to you for getting to the same goal um and and so you should figure out well what what is that and and you know if you have a list then you can rate them on how appealing one is and the others and don't do something that seems unappealing because you won't stick with it. But if it is appealing, then you just might.
2: So if we dive into a few of the details of the book, um, I don't know if it would be, because I want people to read the book because that's where that's, that's how they're going to really take out the nuggets from this. So we'll, we'll definitely have a link in the show notes to, to where to purchase the book, but there's, there's nine rules that you come up with. So, and I, and I know I was on a webinar with you before where I think somebody asked you like, what's your favorite rule? It's like, well, that's like picking like, who's my favorite child. I, I can't do that. So I think what, what are, what would be like two or three rules of the nine that you want the audience to know about? Yeah,
1: well, I'll just list a couple that, um, I think, you know, people could start doing fairly quickly. Um, one is to give yourself a bedtime uh so it's this is rule number one for the simple reason that life is more doable when you are getting enough sleep and it turns out in fact that most people are getting enough sleep from a quantitative perspective over longer periods of time um because most of us have a fairly strong sleep set point that our body's going to to aim for but the problem is we tend to overshoot or undershoot that number in any given night um you know you know how this is like early in the week people are up late and then you have to get up early for school and work and things like this. And then, you know, as the week goes on, you're making up that sleep debt. So you wind up crashing on the couch in front of the TV or sleeping through your alarm or hitting snooze. And then you sleep in on weekends and then you can't fall asleep at a reasonable time at night. And so then it starts all over with the cycle. Um, It's so much better to get the amount of sleep you need every single night
2: even on weekends
1: even on weekends, right? Like the right amount, whatever the amount is you need, which you have to figure out for yourself. Like most adults, it's going to be between seven and eight hours a day. Um, but, you know, some people are a little bit different than that one way or the other. So good to know this about yourself. It's a something you can determine if you track your time for a week or two. Like, where am I roughly aiming for? Um, get whatever that number is, try to get that every single night. And many adults can't wildly change the number that when they wake up in the morning, I mean, you have to get up for work or get up to, you know, for your household responsibilities. So the number that can change is what time you go to bed the night before. So in my case, (laughs) uh, it's math. It's just math. It is not a statement of what kind of person you are. It is not anything else like that. It is just math. I generally need to be up around 630 in the morning. Um, I need 7.4 hours of sleep. So my bedtime is uh, roughly 11 p.m., and that is what I aim for every night, and I don't always hit it. I mean, I am a grown-up. If I want to stay up late, I can. If I have a good reason, it's okay to stay up late, Um, but if I don't have a good reason, knowing that that is the time nudges me to make a decision and hopefully get into bed by a time that is pretty close to that, and yeah, when I do that night after night, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. I if I've been doing it consistently and then I go to bed at 11 p.m. on Friday night, I will literally wake up at 624 a.m. Because that's 7.4 hours. <laughs> that yeah. is, you know, what I'm what I'm doing. You know, it's it's really uncanny. Um, but when people did this in the project, their, their energy levels rose significantly. The proportion of people who said they were getting enough sleep to handle their responsibilities rose by a quarter um, over nine weeks. Uh, so that was the first one. Sorry, I won't talk that long about. All oh of no, the no, ones that and people-
2: that was that was. I was uh, hoping you were going to talk about that because that one is like, especially right now, near and dear to my heart. Because I'm, I, I've, I've read your work on this. I've read other people's work on this. Like everybody knows how important sleep is, but one of the things that I'm struggling with is like, I need that eight, seven to eight hours of sleep as well, but I'm not getting like quality sleep like during the middle of the night. So mm. I'm working with my doctor on. Yeah. Okay, well there's got to be something else going on there that you know you're not you know you're you're too amped up by the time you, you you're going to bed. I know you mentioned a couple like, you know, sh- cool down or shut down routines um as well in the book. So, obviously I'm I'm working on those too, but um so I'm I'm glad that you talked about that because to to me that that one touches home to me right now. Yeah.
1: Well, and I'm just encouraging people to make sleep a priority like cuz it, you know, there yeah. may be various things you can try and I you know think they'd be worth trying, right? And, and you know, some of them might be more appealing to people than others. I mean, you know, some, some couples, for instance, wind up sleeping separately. It turns out both of them sleep better when they do. And that doesn't mean you can't have a loving intimate relationship but it does mean that maybe you know once you've decided to sleep you're not in the same place like that's right. something people do or you know maybe it screens out of the room entirely maybe it's a different temperature when you're sleeping um you know there maybe it's the noises that are coming from outside you need more white noise or something like that i mean there's just a million things you can try and it's it's worth doing because um you know sleep is absolutely foundational um you know, another another thing people can can start doing and and you know, like I said I don't I don't have a favorite rule, but this is one that is, is near and dear to my heart is to have one big adventure and one little adventure each week. And what this is about is about making life more memorable. A lot of adult life can become kind of the same day to day. You know, we have our routines and routines are good because they make good choices automatic, but when too much routine stacks up, you you start losing months, weeks, years in, in these memory sinkholes, like you can't remember where the time went because you didn't do anything memorable with it, right? Right. Um, so to, to combat this, we set a goal of having one big adventure and one little adventure each week. A big adventure is something different, novel, interesting, out of the ordinary, memorable that takes like three to four hours. So think half a weekend day. A little adventure might be less than an hour uh, doable on your lunch break or a weekday evening, just as long as it's something that is out of the ordinary. And I find that this is a really good rhythm because it's enough to make life feel different. Like it's not just, you know, that was another week, like all other weeks. It's like, oh, yeah, that's the week we went mini golfing. And that's the week we went and tried the new gelato place. And that's the week we went hiking in that state park. Like there's something to make the week feel different. But Two adventures a week is not going to exhaust or bankrupt anyone. Like, you know, we're 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 not saying every single day you need to be doing something. You know, if you have like five work days and you know, you do one little adventure one evening of that, like four other days you can come home, put your pajamas on the second you walk in the door and you're good, right? You're like hibernate. That's fine. <laughs> but one, maybe just one, do something a little bit different and that rhythm will will make life feel far more exciting.
2: Um, the one that that you you didn't mention that I absolutely live by is plan for Friday. Mm, okay. <laughs> so I actually I've been doing this for a long time, going even back to like my corporate days before I, I started Tama. but even but now so more that I'm on my own entrepreneur, um, you know, try carving out I was I almost slipped. I said trying to, mm-hmm. but carving out that time and again, this is where you point out where, you kind of lay out why Friday is a good day, especially like in the afternoon. But again, it goes back to everybody's different. Maybe Friday's not, you know, your day. Maybe it's another day. But the whole point is to carve out 20 to 30 minutes, you know, every week to be able to get your mind wrapped around what you need to do next week or even the following week. And I think it kind of goes ties back to what you said earlier about, um, you know, having these, uh, a, a, like a long-term goal or objective and you're needing to do a little bit of that every day, may not every day, but every week per se. And if you're not putting that on your to-do list or however you manage your time, the the odds are you're not going to do it. You're not going to follow up with it. And so that to me was, is like, again, something that's easy for people to be able to use like right away from, from reading the book.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and, Thank you for spelling it out for people. Yes, plan on Friday. Did I do a good job? You did. You did. Plan on Friday is rule number two, um, which is, as you said, it's two parts, right? What the most important is to plan. I think everyone needs a designated weekly planning time, a time when you reflect on what is coming up in your life and what you wish to have coming up in your life, right? So not just what's happening, but what's important. Um, over ideally the next week or so. Um, I think Friday is, you know doing this on Friday is kind of takes this rule to the next level because there's just a lot of upsides of doing it on Friday, you know, that you've, been able to use all of Monday, right? If you plan on Monday morning, you can't use all of Monday. Um, Friday tends to be a time that people aren't doing a whole lot anyway. So you can repurpose what might be wasted time into some of your most productive weeks, minutes of the week. And it also allows you to relax and enjoy your weekend. Like if you work a Monday through Friday sort of job, you know, many times people get a little bit of trepidation going on Sunday, even if they enjoy what they do because there's a lot of stuff waiting for them. They don't know what it is. They're feeling anxious about it. And that can kind of impact your ability to relax and enjoy yourself. Whereas if you I'm have glad, planned I'm, on Friday, then you, if I you interrupt can, you for a good. minute,
2: I actually <laughs> glad you made that point because you, you wrote that in the book. And I thought that was a really good point that I didn't want to want people just to gloss over is that some people would think, well, let me just do it Sunday night. But then like all weekend long, you're thinking you're getting all gelled up about, oh, well, I got to do this. I got to do that. And I think the whole point of this plan for Friday is to take pressure off, to take stress off of your plate, not add to it where you're saving it up for Sunday night.
1: Yeah. I mean and you know, Sunday night you you might not be able I mean, you know, if you're having various adventures on Sunday, maybe you're not back until right. until later. I mean which you Good should. Point. You should be using your your weekend time for fun stuff. And yeah, no, I, I always uh I, you know, people spend a lot of time planning on Sunday, but then you haven't really had as much of your weekend. I, You know, usually there's some amount of time on Friday. For many people, this is a quieter day at work. Um, but even if it isn't, like, try to carve out 20, 30 minutes. Also, just like, I mean, it, it's practical. Like, if you have to make appointments or meetings with people, like, you're not going to get them on Sunday night. Like, so it's just like, you know, whereas Friday, it's business hours, so you will.
2: I think one of the things, too, with this whole concept of planning for Friday for me is that I actually get excited about it because I'm able it it's a chance for me to to look forward and think about, okay, I've got some exciting things to do. Now, I will admit uh honestly to you and to the listening listeners that I'm failing on the one big adventure and one little adventure. And that is that is my takeaway from finishing the book a few weeks ago and, and talking to you is like I'm committing to you and to my audience that that's the one I'm going to work on because I think that's the one that could really spur a lot of fun, a lot more creativity, and more importantly, like reduce the level of stress in in my life and I'm sure other people's lives that that try this.
1: Yeah. You want something in your life that you are looking forward to. Right. Like, I mean, I know that yes. sounds a little trite, but many of us don't have a whole lot of stuff that we're looking forward to. We have all the stuff we need to do. And like, we're kind of getting through it, but like, you probably have an objectively good life. Like, I'm guessing most of the people listening to this, like, you know, you've, you've got a career you're into. Maybe you got a family you're really enjoying. Like, you, you know, got cool stuff going on in your community that you're doing. Like, this is good. This is all good stuff. You should enjoy it. So like how can you make sure that you are like you're having stuff in your life that you're you're truly you know excited to be doing um that you'll be happy to have done looking back on and and planning and adventures is is one way to make sure that
2: happens. Yeah, one of one of uh one of my uh mentors that I work with, Dennis Mosley Williams, who I've had on the the show before that I've I've worked with for with I've worked with for a long time. We have this this idea as a wealth advisor, people don't necessarily think of, of of a wealth advisor in this sort of frame. But what I, one of my objectives in working with people is to help them lead a life less ordinary. Whatever that means to them is, and it, it, it's a strong tie now. I will always be able to tie this back to Laura Vandercam, one big adventure, one little adventure. And, and to help People define, you know, what that is, and if that's what I'm working to help people do, then that's that's I need to I need to walk the walk.
1: Yeah, well, there we go. Looking <laughs> forward to some more good adventures from you. We'll we'll have to make sure those happen.
2: Yes. Um, so, w- in kind of wrapping up the 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 book, are there any other? I know that like when you launched the book, you put out a ton of guides uh, to the book. Can you walk us through what those are and how people are able to um get those?
1: Uh yeah. Well just come to my website and you can find them. But mm-hmm. um
2: Which will be in the know, show notes.
1: Yes, LauraVandercam dot com. Uh well, I put out a, a guide um that is, you know, a a one like if you want to discuss it with friends. So so sometimes, you know, people are you know, more accountable to other folks. And so if you wanted to read Tranquility by Tuesday with a group of friends and get together to discuss it, you know, I have a guide for like one meeting, like you get together once and discuss it. Um, if you want to go through the whole project, like people did, um, the 150 people in my book, they learned one rule at a time over nine weeks, talked about ways to implement it. So I have a guide that you could do over nine weeks, right? That's uh, that's something that's available as well. Um, I put out a little scorecard. Uh, if people go to my Instagram at um, it's there on my saves story so you can pull it there from there but you can just circle which rules you've done this week right you know if there's any that you haven't done this week that's fine but you know sometimes it's helpful to keep track of our progress that way
2: that's the one i like the most because it's one page and it's got them all on there with a with a blurb about each one and that that to me is 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 my favorite so excellent um so usually uh my last question I ask everybody is what's the best thing about being a parent? But since you're part of the the two timer club now, um and, and back on the show again, I had to I have had to think about something else. So okay. um so this one is what is the best what has been the best thing about writing this book? And, and just so our audience knows, this is number this is book number, is it seven? For you?
1: Well, of my time management books, it's like book number six, roughly. Yes. Okay. Six, seven, somewhere in there. Um, and I've read a few others on other topics. So yeah, it's like I love to write, you know, I really, I really do love to write. Um I well, let's see. What I mean, I I think that one of the best things about writing this book is precisely because it is so practical, I'm like holding myself to trying to do these rules, you know, myself. Of course. Like I chose them because I think they're good. Like I think they are the key to having a well-ordered and fun life. Um, and so I'm doing a my own Tranquility by Tuesday scorecard every Monday on my blog. Um, I talk about all nine rules and how I did over the previous week on those nine rules. And that's been that's been pretty cool to do that series. And you know, every week I can sort of talk about how the week went and, you know, sometimes I will do stuff because I know it's the rule. Like, you know, it was Sunday and I've only practiced the piano twice. I'm like, well, three times a week is a habit. Okay. I better get to sit down and do it. Um, and it nudges me to take it more seriously. I know that I'm going to be practicing the piano three times a week. The other day, I, we're recording this before Christmas, but I, uh, I ordered two books of Christmas carols like to play on the piano and they came and it made my practicing like much more exciting the other night. It's yeah. like, no, I'm taking my fun seriously. And, and that's, you know, what I want people to do.
2: Well, awesome. Well, Laura, I can't thank you enough for, for making the time to come back on and talk to us about the new book, uh, Tranquility. Uh, by Tuesday, um, we'll have lots of show notes, resources, uh, r- lots of resources in our show notes uh, where people can find you. Um, but uh, always a pleasure to talk to you and, and looking forward to this uh, to the next big adventure.
1: Excellent. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Please visit TamaCapital.com to subscribe to this podcast or to connect with certified financial planner and registered investment advisor, Paul Fenner of Tama Capital. And please join us again next time on the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast.